0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're answering listener questions and talking some stealing signal stats on Roto Viz Radio. Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at RotoViz, wishing everyone a happy Thanksgiving. And with Thanksgiving in mind, I will mention that Curtis and I are not recording this episode live. We had two listener questions we wanted to get to. Curtis has given us some responses for those questions. I'm going to talk quickly about some interesting stats that I found while poking around the Stealing Signals tool this week. But without further ado, let's get into the week's first question. So this comes in from a gentleman named Blake. I wanted to get some feedback on two trades I just made in Dynasty Superflex tight end premium leagues. In one league where I'm not going to make the playoffs, I traded away Kamara, Patterson, and Beasley and received Chase and Gallup. In another league that I'm going to make the playoffs in, I traded away Antonio Gibson, Chase, Claypool, Irv Smith, and a second round draft pick for Darren Waller and Chris Godwin. Higby was my only viable tight end before this. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Blake. All right. Listen to ha- uh, what Curtis had to say, and then I will weigh in. Blake,
2: thanks so much for the questions, man. Um, two different situations here. Let's start uh, with the squad where you're not going to make the playoffs. Um, that This deal, you're trading away Alvin Kamara. I'm assuming this is Cordero Patterson and Cole Beasley receiving Jamar Chase and Michael Gallup. I think it's great, man. Um, I think this is a great deal, probably really for both owners. Um, you know, Kamara and assuming that Patterson comes back and maintains the same type of role he's had year to date, um, the receiving manager is in a really good spot. Um, you know, at, at RB one and at flex or RB two there, um, presumably needs depth there and is strong elsewhere. If he's willing to trade he or she's willing to trade away at Jamar chase and Michael Gallup, but this sets you up. You know, getting Gallup toward the end of his, his first um, contract, he looked very strong in his uh, first glimpse of action returning to the Cowboys lineup um, after the extended absence of the season. And, you know, Chase, uh, I think most of our team, you know, has him at Dynasty Wide Receiver 1. And really, he's he's in the picture, if, if not the consensus non-QB um, position player 1 in Dynasty at this point. So you've repositioned yourself very well Um, We know that we can find running back production late in rookie drafts on the waiver wire. Even Um, clearly you picked up Patterson and are turning him into something. So I think that's, you know, another feel good piece of this deal. Uh, Really excited to see where the squad ends up next year um, after you add some rookie picks to this. So um, I'm going to give that trade. Um, really that's, that's a great a trade, um, actually for both managers. So good on both of you, um, working together to better each other's teams for your goals of the season. The second deal trading away, Antonio Gibson, Chase Claypool, Irv Smith, and a second for Darren Waller and Chris Godwin. This is a playoff contending team. (laughs) I gotta say, I like it again. Um, there's a there's a small chance that you lose this trade big, um, if Antonio Gibson and Chase Claypool both hit their optimals and I guess, you know, with a super flex tight end premium format, the second round draft pick, not knowing where that's going to fall. Um, I'm assuming it's your own second since you didn't give us that information. Uh, and if you're a playoff squad, I guess this is a back half, um, but I don't know that for sure. So if if there's a chance that this isn't your own second um, wide range of outcomes for that pick, we know that these types of drafts in these formats are very deep. Um, but a late second, uh, I'll assume uh, I, I like this deal. Antonio Gibson has been very, very up and down. Um he he has not run away with a bell cow role even when healthy, and he's rarely been fully healthy. Chase Claypool looks like a wide range of outcomes player as well. Um has really popped. Uh he he's really popped athletically, but you know, he has not become a target hog. Um, Even with Juju out for the year, you would have thought that things would have really lined up for him. And um, Roethlisberger looks a little bit healthier and it's starting to heat up. So maybe he can gain, maybe Claypool that is can gain some steam toward the end of this season, but getting Darren Waller uh, getting Chris Godwin, you know, I think you've upgraded at two starting positions and you're already in playoff position. We play to win titles, man, we play to win titles. And I want, nothing, I want nothing more uh, than for you to be hoisting a trophy and uh, grabbing the purse um, from this dynasty league. And, and you've definitely made uh, a great deal here. Darren Waller, tight end three on the season, has missed some games. He's actually, uh, let's see, 11 hundredths of a point per game above Robert Gronkowski, trailing only Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey uh, at 16.61 points per game. And Dave and I have talked a couple times about the Raiders' schedule rest of season. Um, the, the passing offense really has probably the easiest path the rest of the way. And Waller has the third best tight end schedule rest of way. So really like the deal, uh, well done, uh, in, in two very different situations. And that's why it's fun to play dynasty as a portfolio game, man. You're, uh, you're handling two different situations with two different types of trades. So good job, Blake. Thanks again
1: for the questions. So unsurprisingly, I am in lockstep with everything that Curtis said there. And I think that's really just a testament to how good those trades are uh, for both teams, specifically in that first one felt very nice and balanced, positioning both teams well for their goals in making that trade. So great stuff there, Blake. Glad that you sent in those questions. And I think that it's serves particularly again that first one service is a good example for people that are thinking about how they can frame these deals different configurations that might work Um, and for your teams in specific i really like the way that you repositioned yourself um towards your goals so awesome stuff our second question comes in again from android who we've talked with before this season let me pull up the question here i will read it then we'll get uh some thoughts from curtis so android said well guys pulled off the w and one of the teams ahead of me dropped a slot in the standings putting me within one game of the sixth seed last time he wrote in he was questioning if this is a team you should give up on he did lose aaron jones sent us his full roster wants us to see if there's any advice on if this is still a team that should be competing so as a reminder he's within one game of the sixth seed uh at quarterback right now he has jimmy garoppolo taylor heinecke carson wentz baker mayfield running backs edmonds kylan hill hubbard aaron jones McCaffrey, sermon javante williams Wide receiver, Devontae Adams, Nelson Aguilar, Bobby Anderson, Paris Campbell, Chase Claypool, Jamison Cratter, T.Y. Hilton, Calvin Ridley, tight ends, Dan Arnold, Noah Gray, Chris Herndon, Tyler Croft, David Njoku, Ricky Seals-Jones. This feels like a team to me that you will see a fair amount. There's generally a lot of teams kind of configured like this in most dynasty leagues. Um, so there's probably a lot of you out there in a similar situation. Let's see what Curtis makes of it.
2: Oh, man, we talked about Android 70s squad a couple weeks ago, Dave. Uh, Great to see that he's winning. (laughs) It makes this situation pretty tough, though, um, because he's within one game of the sixth seed, but now loses Aaron Jones, does not have A.J. Dillon. Um, So you basically got CMC back at the expense of Jones. So the team's not really in any better shape than it was last time uh, we checked in with Android This is a situation where if everything goes right, I still do think in the format he's playing, there's an outside shot for him uh, to bring a title home. He he would really need Calvin Ridley to actually return to football this year. Um, If that happens, there's still a shot here. If, If Calvin Ridley comes back and Aaron Jones comes back, um, there's a shot, so I think what we do is we trade some of the the pieces that have fleeting value to try to get some extra rookie draft capital for next season, um, or just to get um, you know just to get extra depth at running back or wide receiver, young depth, um, maybe that hasn't broken out yet. Uh, this is a super flex squad. You know, we've got a lot of kind of middling to lower end QBs, and a couple in particular that won't have much value next year. I don't think and Jimmy Garoppolo and Taylor Heineke, they're certainly not going to gain any more value than they have today, would really like to shop both of those QBs um, to teams that are in the playoff hunt um, but either still need to cover a buy. So you can target like the Jalen Hurts owner. They're going to have a week 14 buy, for example. That's the type of thing you need to be looking at here. Um, or somebody who's you know maybe hanging on but only has one uh, one quarterback right now. I'd l- I'd really like to move those two pieces and keep going. That'll leave you with Wentz and uh, Mayfield uh, and and one of those two quarterbacks, uh, assuming that you can't trade both of them. And then if I look at your running backs, uh, you're getting Javante Williams back after the bye, um now this week, which is great. So I don't really think you can afford to trade CMC or Aaron Jones off if you're still going to see what fate does with this team. So you're going to stick at running back, see how that plays out. Um, At wide receiver, I I don't mind moving Jamison Crowder or T.Y. Hilton and then uh, starting Aguilar and Claypool. Hilton and Crowder are not going to accrue any more dynasty value. And if you can move either one for like a third or package one with a third, uh, and see if you can get a second. In particular, Crowder has been a little hotter. So I think that's more realistic. Uh, So let's try Crowder and a third for an opponent's second. Maybe try to move T.Y. Hilton for a third on his own. And you have a little, I mean, I guess you have a little bit of depth at tight end. Uh, You know, David and Joku might have a little bit of value as a third or fourth to a squad that needs some depth there, but that's probably not material. So I think your trades here to continue to be able to compete and also convert assets into something that can accrue value next year. Let's try to move Garoppolo or Heineke and let's try to move Crowder or Hilton And, uh, that, that's got my blessing. Best of luck to you, Android. Hopefully we'll be continuing to talk about how to keep this team in playoff position, uh, over the next couple of weeks.
1: So this shouldn't come as a surprise. Curtis, generally the more optimistic out of the two of us, I had originally said on this team that I thought it would be in its best interest to throw in the towel on this season, start building for next year and the future. I don't disagree with Curtis that things could break in a way that makes this team very competitive, have the potential to win this league. I still think, though, that that's a pretty outsized chance, especially because you are looking at an Aaron Jones dealing with some issues right now. You probably need, as Curtis said, Ridley to come back, which who knows what is going to happen there You just got McCaffrey back. Yes, you have Javante Williams. Devontae Adams questionable this week, I think will be fine the rest of the season. But I'm still looking at this team trying to figure out where it really makes that push. Who who are the players that are doing this? You have Darren Waller, which is great. But at the end of the day, this just does not look to me like a team that has more than maybe a 7% chance of winning that league. I will say, though, if you, Android, feel that this team's closer to 20 percent, then I definitely can see going with it, maybe even at 15. Um, And for people out there in a similar situation, I think that's the type of question you have to ask yourself. If the rest of the season plays out 100 times, how many times is your team really coming away as the one that wins it all, still needs to make the playoffs. Then in the playoffs, you're going to need some luck to get down that stretch. Who are the players that are doing it for your team? How does it manifest? So me, I still would be throwing in the towel on this team this year, trying to redefine its nucleus as we move in next year and see what we can get. So I actually would be looking to see what I could get for Aaron Jones right now see if there's a team that just wants him to have that push, maybe in the last two games of the season to really push them over and is expecting them to him to have some value next year. Um, I think that there's some pieces on this team you can move. Uh, Curtis talked a little bit about that. Maybe you see what you could get for Calvin Ridley at this point. It's probably pretty low, but I would at least be exploring the possibilities of different things that you could do here to set this team up for the future. Um, which might be something that we could dig into a little bit uh, later in the year. I think Curtis and I will talk about the players that feel like ones that make sense to move off of, given where they are in their career, where they still have enough value to give you a nice return that's going to propel you towards the future. I think that Chase Claypool also could be an interesting player right now to try and move. Hasn't quite lived up to what some people would have liked, but I think that with Juju out for the rest of the season and that offense really being revolved around Claypool and Johnson, as far as wide receivers go, might be able to find the right price to make the move and help position yourself going forward. So that takes us through the listener questions. We are now gonna get into some stats from the Stealing Signals tool. We're driven by the search for better,
0: but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: all right so as a reminder uh the stealing signals tool is uh really our way of providing the stats that ben gretch who originally started writing this fantastic article he has a sub stack for it people absolutely love this thing um one of the single most in-depth pieces you'll see in the whole fantasy industry uh that comes out every week but um Ben has a number of key stats that he looks at when putting together this article, and they're ones that we really like to use at the site too. Um, So it's definitely worth checking out both the article and the numbers that we have on the site. We've talked a lot about high value touches in specific team percentage of high value touches, and I am pleased to report that Najee Harris is still north of 95% at 97% really just because it's amazing to see a player that high for some perspective the next closest players austin eckler at 82 percent, dalvin cook 81 alvin Kamara 78 daryl henderson 78 miles gaskin who i don't know if we've talked about it recently but we certainly talked about him on the show this year he's at 70 percent of team high value touches now on the year He's had 55 high-value touches, which actually positions him only behind DeAndre Swift, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, and Najee Harris. His issue has been being efficient. Um, The workload has completely been there. It just has been a matter of how efficient he can be, perhaps on some level, how efficient that offense can be. And you're kind of in an odd spot with a player like him right now on a week-to-week basis in in your comfort level and putting him into your lineups. I think that you still need to, given the quality of touches that he's getting here and the overall volume. So if we just zone in on him here for a second, there is kind of an interesting trend with him. So starting in week five... Had an RB one performance. Follow that up with just three point four points against Jacksonville. Next week, RB one performance, seventeen point seven points. Week after that, just eight and a half against Buffalo. RB three performance, then seventeen point seven. The next week against Houston drops back down to five point five. Then in week eleven was eighteen at eighteen point six against the Jets. So he's still been an RB one in thirty uh, percent. Excuse me, thirty six percent of weeks. Ranks 15th in expected points per game, 28 in PPR per game, 132 among running backs, and fantasy points over expectation per game. Ranks fifth among running backs in targets. So, it's been an odd season for Gaskin. I think, though, that he's kind of turned the the corner here, and uh, you can feel decent about him in your lineups moving forward. And I think what we see when we think about a player like him here is that in general, when you have players that are getting quality opportunities, it's just a matter of time before those convert. It's very rare that you see players up in the leaderboards of a lot of these meaningful volume metrics. It's rare that you see them up there And by the end of the season, the course hasn't corrected. Um, DeAndre Swift, man. High value touches. 63, 53 receptions for him. Behind him, you have Najee Harris at 49, which is crazy. Then Austin Eckler. Just very impressive stuff from Swift. In terms of snap percentage, too, uh, Najee Harris, I have to highlight him again. He's at 84% of team running back snaps. Next closest is Kamara at 78. Then you actually have David Montgomery at 77, Daryl Henderson Jr. at 75, and then Swift at 72. One thing that's always interesting to look at is a metric that Ben calls trap percentage, which are essentially the percentage of players' carries that aren't high value touches. So, you can just conceptualize it as what percentage of a player's touches are not useful for fantasy purposes or aren't, I guess we could say, high leverage opportunities. So, of players, um, if I sort based on PPR through the season and then find the highest trap percentage, it's actually interesting that you have Derrick Henry coming in at third, of course, for a player like him where he doesn't need the reception totals that other players have. That probably isn't a big issue. Joe Mixon though, 84% of his touches, uh, have been, or yeah, 84% of his opportunities fall under that trap category. Other players with pretty high totals, James Connor, but man, those touchdowns, uh, it has not mattered. You also have Nick Chubb at 85. So you're going to see players like that, that, uh, operate or do less work in the receiving game now Antonio Gibson who um oh excuse me um Antonio yeah Antonio Gibson is at 80 now Curtis talked a little bit about him when we were looking at one of those listener questions before let's focus here on Antonio Gibson uh for a second I remember early on in the year we were talking about the dynasty value of Antonio Gibson versus Najee Harrison I mean, there's no comparison at this point. So Gibson has been an RB1 just one time this year. 50% of his games, he has been an RB2. So between weeks one and five, he was averaging 15.5 points since then. So week six through week 11, you've seen a major discrepancy there, averaging just 10.7 Uh, PPR points per game, definitely a player that we're going to have to come back to and assess his value. In terms of opportunities, he ranks 10th among running backs, expected points per game. He's at 18. Just has been inefficient coming in at 90 and fantasy points over expectation per game. So if we look at the actual workload that he's getting each week there's been many weeks where he's been north of 15 rushing attempts targets though this year have really been around two or three per game i think moving into next year gibson's going to be viewed as a player that perhaps could be on the fringe of that rb1 range or a better rb2 we will talk about this more with curtis um as I think that he's one of the interesting players to, to break down going into next season. Now Gibson has um, just 44% of his team's high value touches and a large piece of that is going to come uh, as a result of him having one of the lowest reception totals among these backs that have put up the most points this year. Naturally you have McKissick, Um, taking away a lot of that opportunity because by default he's the player that really gets the majority of that team's targets he's actually at 38 you have gibson at 19 so mckissick is at 53 percent of the team's high value touches and you have gibson at 44 other four percent uh goes to Jarrett patterson now mckissick is um an unrestricted free agent at the end of 22 at the end of 2022. So I think that that is going to be the piece of information that will really drive the value that Gibson should have. If he returns to the team, I think it's going to be hard to view Gibson the way that many people did heading into the year. If he's not, we'll see what the team does. um, Addressing it's running back core. See if it adds another piece Uh, If they don't, then naturally, I think that that should give Gibson a pretty substantial boost in value. Another fun thing to point out here is that in terms of overall, so not percentage-based, just total low-value touches, you see Najee Harris coming in at number two. What does this tell us? Najee Harris is just getting so much work, it's insane. I apologize that I can't stop talking about this, but it's just really... Uh, incredible the amount of work that he has had this year. And it shouldn't be surprising, though, that you do see the players with the most low value touches being the players that see the most work, which is why that trap percentage that we talked about earlier can be pretty interesting to look at. Then just one thing I wanted to highlight, um, because I know that this could be confusing for some people if you haven't spent much time playing around with the stealing signals tool. But uh, you might notice that if you're looking at a specific team's running backs, the column that says team running back high value touch might be different. That's because um the way that I'm calculating things in the tool are it's only pulling in high value touches in games that that specific player played. So um if you're looking at Green Bay, for example, you're going to see that in games, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones played. There's been 78 running back high value touches. AJ Dylan. Um, there's 84. And that's because Dylan has played in more games than than Jones. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Because I haven't asked that, and I, it's a good question. But that's all we have for you today. Just wanted to get a quick episode in here. Uh, we are thankful for everybody. Checking in with us each week for sending in questions, for having a really fun group of listeners that we get to interact with uh, via email sometimes, sometimes on Twitter. Still feel free to call us and give us those questions. Um, This will be it for this week. We will be back next week, as always, reacting to the action on a Tuesday morning episode. We hope that everybody out there has or depending on when you are listening to this had a fantastic Thanksgiving got to spend some times with your some time with your family and hopefully we have some good football to watch uh, on Thanksgiving Day though it might not be the most interesting slate we've ever seen maybe we get a nice game or two anyways thanks as always and uh, enjoy your holiday thank you for listening to the RotoViz fantasy football show Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.